Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. Very kind for you to be here again. Apparently, I forgot how to speak just then. Very kind for you to be here again. It sounds like some kind of awful lyric in a terrible Christmas song. You know how people are always releasing Christmas songs? They're desperate to get to Christmas number one, even though it doesn't really have the same importance as it once did. And that's how they'll phrase things. They never say, have a good Christmas. It's like, Christmas, you gotta have a good one. That's how people talk to each other. I don't know why we're talking about Christmas on January the 26th, 2021, but that is the day and we are going to talk some wrestling. So in the second half of the show today, I have an interview with my man, AJ Kirsch, also maybe known to some of you as Joseph Bro. I forgot it. Brosif Joe Brody. I always get it wrong because it's the most ridiculous name ever, but the gimmick is excellent. Um, in terms of where you may know him from, he was on the Tough Enough season with Stone Cold Steve Austin back in 2011. Actually, quite topical given that Larry King passed away recently, which was very sad. He's had an interview with Larry King. And in terms of where we are right now, he made his debut for AEW Dark last week. Um, I don't know whether if he's going to be on another one, what his plans are with the company, but that's why I got him on the show. I wanted to talk to him about his wrestling career because I know he had stopped actually doing in-ring performances for a while. He'd always been around the industry and the business, but I've been very lucky to to know AJ for a while. We'll talk about that when we do have him on. And yeah, we'll see what's going to go on with Elite Wrestling, what his future holds, what's he going to do, what he you know takes of the pandemic wrestling and everything about that at the moment. And uh, hopefully be a little something different, a little bit something different. And I do have some other interviews lined up as well. Because again, I, I do need to get back into this two-show weekly routine, and I want to make sure they're as diverse and varied as possible. So do hang around for that. But before we do get there, well, we need to talk about a little bit of wrestling. And the big news is that WWE has sold the WWE Network for Peacock or NBC Universal or the USA Network, whatever you want to call them, uh, for one billion dollars <laughs> over the next five years. So next time anybody comes up to you and explains that oh WWE are running out of money, you are now allowed to kick them in the balls and tell them that they're crazy. They are not running out of money. They are doing just fine. The reason I found it so interesting is twofold. Being a British man, I'm intrigued to see what now happens to my WWE network because we don't know how much content they're going to continue to spew out for this thing outside of pay-per-views, etc. And obviously, we're going to keep paying our $9.99 a month. And in terms of what this means going forward for WWE, I think there's a load of variables that you have to talk about. It's essentially a licensing deal right now, right, for anybody that's a bit confused about it. So NBC has bought the rights to all WWE content outside of Raw and SmackDown, even though Raw is obviously on USA, and same with NXT. And, you know, they're now just essentially putting all that content onto their own streaming service. So aside from having to use a different UI, you probably wouldn't notice anything. And obviously, you're going to pay less money. It's going to be $4.99. If you don't want adverts, it'll be $9.99, but you're paying $9.99 already. And then given the uh, portfolio that they have, you can watch Saved by the Bell. You can watch the Monsters. You can watch the US version of The Office. I believe they have non-Premier League football games on there. So you're essentially getting an Amazon Prime, you're getting a Netflix, you're getting a Disney Plus or whatever the hell it's called, Apple Plus, whatever the hell those services are called. You are getting another one, but I think it's got 24 million subscribers. And at the moment, the WWE Network has 1.1 million subscribers. But the real interesting point is ever since its inception in 2014, I think I'm right in saying this, please do correct me if I'm wrong. The network has never made $200 million in the US, right? It's never made or anywhere, but specifically in that market. 
And they've just guaranteed themselves to make $200 million for the next five years. And that's absolutely crazy. It's, it's, it's just a nuts deal. Say what you want about Vince McMahon as a person or Vince McMahon as a wrestling promoter. But as a businessman, he is killing the game right now. And he is smashing it, especially because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I get that there's a brand new conversation to be had about all those cuts that went down a year or so ago. But we will leave that for a different show. The fascinating part of it all to me is, is this the precursor to Vince McMahon actually selling the company outright. Um, his brother passed away, actually, over the last few days. Rod McMahon, I believe his age was. He was 77. I don't know the cause of death. But that's still a pretty big deal because I think we can all admit this. You know, when somebody in our own lives dies, you do take a look inward and realize that we're all mortal and it's all terrifying and that the, the deal of life is maybe not a deal that you would sign up for if you knew what the ultimate price was. I don't know if Vince McMahon has an exit plan or not. I don't know if he wants to leave it to Triple H and Stephanie. I have no idea, but it seems very interesting to pay that much money for, again, just to license the content when once you're in the billions, you are talking about money that you could buy WWE with. I mean, I did some reading and it sounds like it would be valued anywhere between four and six billion. It would depend on the negotiations. But of course, the sticking point to all of this is how does NBC buy WWE when Fox has SmackDown? That would be a bit weird, right? That would be... I can't even think of a, of, a, of a... I guess it would be the equivalent of... No, I've got nothing. <laughs> it's been a long day. I did raw ups and downs and superstar spectacle ups and downs. My brain has actually given up on creative ideas. But it would be a little bit of a conflict of interest and would probably create some animosity. But, I mean, I think the Fox deal ends in 2024 which is when the Raw deal ends up as well. So maybe we do get into the middle of this century, um, this decade, sorry. And maybe they do. Maybe the NBC, NBC Universal buys WWE. I don't know. But I am fascinated by the whole thing. I truly am. I think that the, what all, all we have to care about, though, is as fans, I think it's a great deal for fans. I know a lot of people are worried that the 24s and the other documentaries are going to weigh because in the press release, they specifically said they're going to make one documentary a year or signature documentary. But I'm hoping the signature documentary relates more to A Last Ride or, you know, whatever else they've done on there, because I would still like to get the 24s. And it seems like it's easy content for WWE to make. You know, you just put cameras on superstars who are going about their daily lives. And I understand there's an editing process and there's a cost involved, but I would be surprised if they got rid of it. At least I hope they don't, because that's my favorite thing, as well as the retro stuff. And it also explains why the likes of Dave Meltzer have been saying that they've been recording uh, footage for these documentaries, because it all ties into this deal. But yeah, proper, proper huge stuff. And absolutely better than what was being rumoured last year, because last year it was rumoured that the WWE Network would go to Peacock, and that's how you get it. But it'd be more of a UFC ESPN Plus deal, especially when it came to WrestleMania. Uh, you know, WrestleMania, you would go back to paying your 50, 60 bucks, or whatever the hell it would be, on top of the subscription service. And, you know, UFC have proven that model that model can work to a certain degree. But we're not getting that. You're going to pay less. You're going to get all the pay-per-views. It's one of the reasons they are sticking fast lane there because it's a way to say, hey, man, come and join. It's so exciting. I hope it's a nothing show, which is a very weird thing to say. But the last thing I want is a, you know, I don't, I don't want... I just don't want it to, to sully WrestleMania so much because we've never had a pay-per-view that close to Mania. So I don't think it would be a good idea to, uh, you know, don't... Make sure you know what the WrestleMania plan is, right? Make sure you know what the WrestleMania plan is. Otherwise, it's just not 
it's just going to be a mess. And we don't need that, especially this year when you're you know, having fans back for the first time. The Royal Rumble is going to be a little bit wishy-washy again because there's not going to be a crowd, which is one of the reasons kind of just jumping across quickly. I didn't mind that Edge returned on Raw. Actually, I mind that he returned on Raw with absolutely no promotion whatsoever. That was nuts. But I don't mind that he entered himself into the Royal Rumble because you're not going to get the kind of visceral reaction that we did a month ago, a year ago. So you're already fighting uphill. And I think it's smart to know, okay, well, what are we dealing with here? Well, we're dealing with a Royal Rumble with no fans. Well, have we ever done that before? No, we have not. It doesn't mean you can't have surprises and doesn't mean you can't go nuts with the audio button, but I don't, you didn't need to do it with Edge. I think you get more impact this time by having Edge as an announced person than not. And he could win the thing. And that's the cool thing. I'm going to talk about the Rumble in a second, but that's the cool thing about this year's Rumble. I actually think that there's numerous ways you could go and it would all make sense and probably please the fans before we get off the peacock thing it sounds like because of it and i understand why because they may see it as a competitor espn who were also rumoredly in for this as were disney that's the same company essentially they're not going to be airing any more wwe content on espn now i don't really know how much they did before because we don't get it over here but there was that relationship for a while i remember they pushed it but Again, it just sounds like WWE is becoming more in bed with a company that they've been in bed with for the last 30 years. And when I read about it, I was like, wow, man, they're g- <laughs> I think their financials come out soon. I guess this won't be noted on it. But they're going to make a lot of money for a long, long time. And no, it doesn't mean that AEW is going to die. Some people tweeted me that, oh, it's the end for It doesn't make any difference. They do their thing. WWE does their thing. And as long as the wrestlers get more money and they have more places to work, et cetera, et cetera, then, it- then it's all good with me. Right, let's talk about the Rumble, <laughs> which I actually should have mentioned on Raw Ups and Downs, but I didn't. Crazy. And this kind of sums up modern day WWE, that we are four or five days out from you know the second biggest pay-per-view of the year, and we don't have a card. We have Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens in a, his last man standing, isn't it? Which will be good. And we have Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg, which I'm okay with as long as Drew wins. We've talked about this. And we have both Royal Rumbles. And somebody carried a report that the men's will close and the women's will open, which is fine. I guess they have a bigger plan for the men's, I'm going to assume. But whatever, it doesn't matter. What else are they going to do? And how else are they going to justify it? Are they going to have an intercontinental title match? Are we going to have a US title match? Are we going to have a tag? Oh, actually, they have announced Charlotte and Oscar versus Nia Jax and... Uh, Shayna Baszler I, I, they have announced that as well but still man like I remember the days when you would have far more than you'd have your show ready to go a week ago and here it's just up in the air which <laughs> seems very strange to me unless they're actually going to go and this is my sort of my, my devil's advocate for this unless we're actually going to keep it super short because if it's only a three-hour event which it should be and you're gonna have an hour for the men's an hour for the women's that only leaves you with another hour and I'm gonna guess that both world title matches go long then you throw the Women's Tag Championship in there. If they want to keep it that way, I'm not going to complain. I think it's a bit wishy-washy the way they've done it. But actually, what we get coming out the other side, I think, is decent. Um, talking about the Rumble, and I think I've got this right, but you know, you may have found other people. We have the following for the men's announced. It's Daniel Bryan, Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Otis, The Miz, Jey Uso, Cesaro, Jeff Hardy, Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler, Shinsuke Nakamura, Big E, John Morrison, Sheamus, Mustafa Ali, and Edge. And the women's... We have Nia Jack, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, Peyton Royce, Alexa Bliss, Shayna Baszler, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, and Tamina. So that's 12 out of 30 for the women's and 17 out of 30 for the men. So there is still a lot to go. I think they're announcing number 30 on the bump or something like that. Now, I don't understand that. That's 
strange because <laughs> I think people like the surprise. But again, I do think you have this huge caveat this year that because we don't have fans, maybe you should be trying stuff like this. You may as well throw some stuff on the wall and see if it's going to work. When it comes to trying to decide who the hell's going to win, I think Daniel Bryan has got to be considered a front runner. And I think that because he's already admitted that he's winding down and he's looking to do other things. And he's clearly at the moment desperate to get other people over. And he's never won the Royal Rumble. And I feel like it's been a sticking point given what happened over the last, um, what, 2014 was the first one? And 16, whatever the hell it was. The controversy with Rey Mysterio. So I think that we should do that. Outside bets, if you want Big E to win it, it's not going to be a problem at all because he's clearly someone they have big plans for. I personally don't think he should win it right now. I think he should win it next year because I think he'll lose to Roman Reigns and that's not what I want to see. If you want to have Mustafa Ali win it, right? I know it's not going to happen, but if you want to have him win it and tell the story that this is revenge that Kofi Kingston stole his spot two years ago, that is fantastic. And it will move him right up the card. And I said this the other day, I have no problem with you telling a story within the Raw Rumble that gets somebody over as a star. We've never actually properly done that, and it would work. So I've got no issue with that. And Edge could win it too. Like, he really could. Edge is a main event guy. The promo he cut on Raw was awesome. Uh, You could even have somebody steal his shot away, any future of Randy Orton or something like that instead. I heard a rumor the other day that Seth Rollins comes in and he wins the Rumble. That would be fine with me as well. Um, And if you want someone like AJ Styles to win it, you could get away with it, but I think that's a bit more obvious. So there are some... I don't think Shinsuke Nakamura is going to win it. I think that, that ship seems to have sailed. If you wanted Sami Zayn to win it, I'd be right with that too. But if I'm going to pick one, it'd be Daniel Bryan. And then moving on to the women's, I think it's got to be Bianca Belair. You can do Bailey, so she challenges Sasha Banks at, at uh, WrestleMania. That would be fine. Um, and Ronda Rousey could come back. That's a rumor that's been doing the rounds, which would be cool. Keith Lee as well for the men's, if he wants to win that, although he's been absent from TV. So I think we may be in for some uh, <laughs> sad times with Keith Lee. But I think Bianca Belair was so good on SmackDown with the obstacle course stuff. I think she comes across like a star. I think the release of that documentary, if you haven't seen it, where she talks about her personal problems, just gives her all the sympathy you could possibly want for a for a baby face. And why wait anymore? Like, do you want Charlotte to win it? She's done it. If Becky Lynch comes back, okay, I understand that, but I doubt she will. And no disrespect to anybody else in the lot, but, you know, Tamina, Ruby Wright, Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler, Alexa Bliss, Peyton Royce, Dana Brooke, Mandy Rose. I just, I just don't think there's nothing going on there. You know, it's, it, it just doesn't feel like it's something that WWE would follow through on. But they need a brand new star in that women's division. And as far as I can see, Bianca Belair's got everything everything you'd need to do that. Again, I thought SmackDown was terrific last week. I had such a good time watching it. I know I give downs to distraction and DQ finishes, but it's only because they do them so much. In terms of actually sitting down and enjoying a wrestling show, yeah, I think it is, it's is—it's just brilliant. <laughs> Roman Reigns is an absolute nut job. I enjoyed everything at the end with Paul Heyman and uh, Adam Pearce. I thought that was quite cute. It was quite fun. Uh, you know, Biggie, Sami Zayn and Apollo Crews feuding. Awesome. Never going to get mad at that. It's just And Cesaro sort of being back on top. Just, it's just, it's, it's up there to me. AEW and Dynamite and WWE SmackDown right now are the two best shows that you could that you could hope to watch. I'm sure there's something else I'm not thinking about. And I like Raw, and I like Raw because it's a bag of nonsense, <laughs> which I know is not what you want to say, but it's true. That's why I like it. I like it because it's just crazy. It's just this weird, crazy, absolute nuts thing that for some reason we tune into, but. It, it, it needs, it's, it's weird because both shows do have an anchor. Like Roman carries SmackDown and Drew carries Raw. And he was so good when he came back this week. But, you know, Roman is allowed to sort of control the show more than Drew is. And so Raw is just, <laughs> Raw is just absolutely out of control. On SmackDown too, I like that Somalia Reginald versus Sasha Banks match too. I thought that was really well put together. I really, really did. Like it was just so over the top and it was kind of intergender, but not really. 
And uh, even Baron Corbin versus Dominic Mysterio. Some people got mad that it was a squash match. Yes, but there was a, it wasn't a squash match for the sake of a squash match. We're telling the story that Dominic's not listening to his dad. Maybe that ends with a match between Dominic and his dad. I don't know. I don't know whether that'd be any good. I don't know whether I'd actually want it. But it, at least they're doing something with him. And I know that I enjoyed it, which was the main thing. So yeah, top stuff all round with SmackDown. I liked it. As for Raw, there's just no consistency. It's incredible that these shows are written by the same people. I did enjoy Drew McIntyre and Goldberg wrecking Miz and Morrison, but I'm a bit done with Miz and Morrison and the Money in the Bank stuff. I feel like we have run that into the ground because, of course, we're now doing this for the second time around, which is a shame. And the whole women's stuff was just, it's not their fault, but it's just, I mean, it would have been messy without the, there was a mistake in the middle when Shayna got counted out. She wasn't going to, meant to, but the referees are told to call it like a shoot, so they did. But even if you don't do that, it's just so confusing. Like, Shayna is fighting Charlotte, and then Nia Jax gets involved in this DQ, but then Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke are here for no reason. So Lacey Evans comes out just because he's having sex with Ric Flair. Then that magically turns into a, you know, the triple, the, 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 the triple tag. Then Adam Pearce restarts it after the mistakes. Then Charlotte and Lacey run away anyway, and then Nia Jax kills Dana Brooke with this horrible head slam, and then that's it. I just... I don't understand the Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose place. I don't know why they're a tag team. I don't know where Peyton, Peyton Royce has gone. I don't know why I'm meant to care about the Ric Flair and Charlotte Flair storyline because I don't. Not in a bad way. I just don't need to see them at loggerheads with each other. There are other ways you can get Ric Flair on TV. And also, who is the crowd of wanting to see? Look, Ric Flair's an old man. Not because he's an old man, like, oh, you old man, but because we're all going to be old men and old ladies and old whatever one day. And I don't want to see an old man, you know, 72, 73, pretending he's bagging a 30-year-old. <laughs> that's not it's not what I watch for entertainment. That's creepy porn. So, yeah. The Xavier Woods, the, the retribution stuff sucks because we're just doing exactly the same thing with the, the Ricochet. But at least now we're doing it right. Like, Xavier Woods got a win. And I don't know where this is going to go, but I, I think the real caveat, again, is that whole thing that they've got this story going on with Mustafa Ali hates Kofi Kingston, and he has perfectly justification to doing that. Because while he didn't steal his spot per se... That is how a bad guy would see it. So I'm actually quite enjoying all of that. I think it's fun. Our truth was awesome tonight <laughs> with his truth happy birthday <laughs> with the, the Hurt Business pendant. And the Hurt Business are always good. They are. I enjoy them. Even though there was a lot of madness here, I do. I feel like we're breaking them up too soon with Cedric Alexander, but I'm hoping that WWE kind of just lets them sort it out. They're such a good group and they're still in their infancy. You don't need to rush anything anything with that. And Sheamus versus Morrison was good too, but again, let down because, again, you have a match that turns into another match. Just do the second match. Why do we need to do it? I have turned... The, my favorite thing is that I've turned the whole you got to beat AJ Styles to get into the Royal Rumble. I said this on ups and downs. But I've turned it into WWE canon now. So every year, if somebody faces AJ Styles, I'm like, oh, they're in the Rumble. In fact, I'm going to run that joke into the ground because you know I like to do that. So, yeah, it's... You know, he had a decent match with R-Truth. I don't know why we need to do it, but I like R-Truth. I like AJ Styles. Ultimately, I'd like the 24-7 title to be retired or gotten rid of. And actually, I mean, Truth can still be a comedy character, but I would like to see him put in a more interesting storyline because he's so entertaining and he makes Raw better. If it was two hours, I guess you could debate that. But for three hours, absolutely, we should do it. And what I thought what really summed up the show too was the gauntlet match. Like the gauntlet match with Riddle taking out the Hurt Business was really good. It was really, really fun. But because we rely on these distractions and DQ finishes too much, just like, man, I've seen this already on the show. So now this doesn't really feel like I'm seeing something new, which is a shame because he was picking his way through the whole thing. So that kind of sucked. Um, it was weak. I enjoyed it overall, but sort of individual nitpicking. I was like, well, no, it didn't actually make sense. And the Edge promo was awesome. It was. It was the highlight of the night. Edge knows what he's doing, and he'll absolutely bring a star presence back to 
Uh, back to WWE, whichever show he decides to go on. I presume Raw, uh, but we'll, we'll figure it out. You could easily change that. And then we've got to talk about Alexa Bliss. Do I like the Alexa Bliss stuff? I don't actually have an answer, which I know makes me sound like a numpty, but I don't actually have an answer. I don't think it's bad. I don't necessarily think it's good. What I do appreciate is that WWE picked a path. They picked a direction and they're sticking to it, which is not something that we always do. So in that sense, and I know that a lot of people like it too. And, I, and there's nothing wrong with liking Gaga. As I've said before, like I massively liked all the Kane and Undertaker stuff from back in the day. So there may be kids out there who are feeling the same way about this. And given that I know that there was a clamoring to have Alexa Bliss as a version of Sister Abigail, which you could argue that this is what this is. I think you have to go, okay, cool. That's kind of what we're doing here. But with that said, <laughs> it's just crazy. Like, I, I feel like we're doing it, we're going too far because we don't have crowds, so we can have fun with shots, etc., like that. Because she's in the ring on a rocking horse and Oscar has to play scared. Oscar playing scared doesn't work. And I'm being a hypocrite here because I've actually been uh, a defender of, well, if you've got a scary. Uh, characters people should be scared of you otherwise what's the point like if you're watching scream and the guy in the screen mask comes in and everyone's just like <laughs> what a piece of trash like why am i watching this crap movie but it doesn't work with oscar it just doesn't i don't know whether because she comes across as legit or whether because she's a little bit weird herself but i just don't buy it that's the issue i can buy it with other people i can't buy it with her but yeah you know alexa bliss is on a rocking horse and then she transforms into evil alexa just a lot going on and when they tried to explain why she had these powers they just went, I, well, The Fiend taught me. It's like, no, you can't. Just don't explain it. Just don't, That's like Kane going, I, back in the day, I can do firepower because of The Undertaker because he has firepower. It's like, we don't know he has lightning power. And I, no one ever explained that either. I don't necessarily, I, I don't think you should try and explain it if your answer is just because. How have you got these powers, man? Because, what do you mean because? Just because, brah. It's just so stupid. Um, but I like the consistency. And I like that they're not... You should listen to the fans, but I think it's too early to change track with this let. You, I need, you need to let it play out. And look, seeing Randy on RKO her does elicit a strong reaction because WWE never does intergender stuff. I think the last time they did it would have been the Royal Rumble 2019. Is that correct? Or was it 2020? No, it was 2019, right, with Nia Jax when she got and all that stuff happened. So I'm going to say that it was, there's just been a while, that's good, right? That's actually WWE doing what they should do more of, using these moments few and far between to, to get an impact. I, just, I don't know what we do. Are we building to Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton at WrestleMania? I don't want that. I'd much rather it be Edge. So I'm intrigued. I'm fascinated. I do think that Alexa Bliss is playing her role very well, as is, um, as is Randy, as was The Fiend before he went away. It's a shame that it kind of has moved Oscar into a weird position and she's going to be in this random tag team match. But hey-ho, we'll see. I just remembered I didn't predict the other stuff, did I, for, for the Raw Rumble? I mean, Drew McIntyre has to win. And if Drew McIntyre does win, this is great. If Goldberg wins, well, then we're going to have to wait and see where we get to. I don't think it's the best idea, but I'll always wait to see the execution. But if he can come out on Raw in a build to WrestleMania, where he could even fight Brock Lesnar, that's another thing. Brock Lesnar can come back at the Raw Rumble. I'll do Drew versus Brock again, as long as Drew wins. You see my, my consistency here. But if he wins and he can come out and roar and say, I just beat Goldberg, that works for him. And I love Kevin Owens. I think Kevin Owens is one of the most underrated guys potentially ever. But sadly, he is not going to beat Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship. And you know what? He probably shouldn't right now. As much as I like Kevin Owens, when you look at the story from afar, I don't think that's the direction to go in. As much as I would enjoy it, which I would. I just don't think it's going to... You don't want to make Roman... Roman can cheat and Roman can use Jey Uso. I know, blah, blah, boring, boring, whatever. I don't care. I think it's good. But you don't want to completely chop his legs off yet that will come 
I think it's too 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 soon. And before we do move on, I do want to talk about AEW Dynamite. I know it's quite after the fact, so I won't go into it too much. Because so many people are like, oh, this show sucked. This show didn't suck. It just wasn't a, a barn burner. You're allowed to have, I mean, I wouldn't even call it average, but above average, decent episodes of Dynamite. We're going to have 52 of these a year. You can't hit a home run every time. But what it did have was the birthday to negative one. And I was kind of shocked to see a lot of people going, oh, it's too much gaga. It's too much nonsense. Okay, it was a lot of gaga. It was a lot of nonsense, especially Luther. <laughs> I hate kids. But, you know, if we are... I want to watch my words carefully here because I don't mean it as bad as it sounds. But if we are paying, you know, tribute and we want to remember Brody Lee, which we all do, I think we as a, as a human race, and I understand why we do it, we want to protect ourselves, we want to make sure, you know, we're not emotional messes all the time. But so often we can get lost in the moment because you can't believe the news that you've heard. And then weeks later, we haven't forgotten about it, but we put it to the back of our minds. So as and when these opportunities come up to not only honor Brody Lee's family, but also honor his memory, I think we should do it. And the way we do it was stupid fun, which is what the Dark Order should be now. That's what they've evolved into. It wasn't the plan, but that's where we're at, and I'm all for it. I just thought it was funny. I thought it was humorous. I thought the way they tied it into the Hangman Adam Page stuff, like they didn't. I, I had a small part of me that thought they were going to change whatever plan they did have and have Adam Page as the leader of the Dark Order. But that's not what the story they want to tell. You know, they still want to get across that the cowboy is a loner. So they weren't, they didn't fall into that trap. And having him say no in the dark or to start their celebrations, it's the kind of nonsense I want. I loved it. And I, I love everything negative one did. You know, it was my birthday three days ago. I thought it was great. Uh, give me that. Maybe you shouldn't start the show with it. I, you could take, I don't care. But if you want to make that argument, all right, maybe I'll, maybe I'll understand that one. But in terms of, if you want to make me feel good, Give me more of that stuff. And I think the way that AEW has gone out of their way to make sure that kid feels, and the whole family feels as protected and as if nothing has changed, even though, of course, something huge has changed, was awesome. Enjoyed everything with the Inner Circle. They're going to break up eventually. Still convinced that MJF and Sammy Guevara are in cahoots, but we'll see. I'm all about that Sting Darby Allen versus Team Taz street fight match. It's going to be at Revolution. It's going to be cinematic. Sting's not a moron. And even if Sting is a moron, you know what? He's a 61-year-old man. He's allowed to be a moron. So many people are going, I can't believe people want something. No, it's just Sting. <laughs> Let him do whatever he wants. And if he gets hurt and you want to go, well, I told Sting this would happen. All right, you can die on that hill. And you can stand on your high horse. But... You know, Sting only has a few years left before he is going to have to retire to, for good. He knows the state of his health. I'm sure he wants to protect himself. I'm sure he enjoys walking. Uh, he's not dumb. <laughs> There's a reason he's still going that the way that he is. So I think they'll film it well. I think it'll be like the street fight we did with well, less chaotic and less violent with uh, uh, Ortiz and Santana going against the best friends. But I think they will find a way to do this. And Sting has to get involved. He has to do something active. Otherwise, it doesn't go anywhere. And the fact that he's teaming with Darby Allen, what a rub for Darby Allen. I, I like all of it, and I know that I'm, not that I'm in a minority, but I know some people don't agree with it, but I, I think it absolutely rocked. And I like the elite stuff too. I mean, maybe the house stuff was a little bit strange, but I like the idea of it, because I just thought, oh, they're going to get back together, but we're not doing that. You know, now we are we are building to a match between the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks. Kenny Omega's going to go off the wall, off the you know off his rocker quite, quite soon. And then Don Callis is kind of this, you know, underhanded piece of trash that's pulling everything together. That's far more interesting than I thought they were going to do. Cody versus Peter Avalon. Again, I thought it was a good match. Silly finish. Um, but it was just there for whatever. And Cody always tells a good story. And John Moxley against his name, Nick Comarotto, I believe. That's off the top of my head. So you have to forgive me. Exactly the right thing to do. I know people are going, well, I can't believe he got all this offense in. Man, have you ever watched any kind of football or sports game? 
Sometimes it happens. Also, Nick Comrato was massive. And the Wrestling Observer report, this was John Moxie's idea, because he didn't want to beat a random person. He wanted to beat someone that like, wow, I can't believe you beat this guy. And I say, hell yeah. That's exactly the kind of stuff we should be doing. Who knows what that dude's future is? And now, he, you know, he had a close call with... I don't, I don't think we need to buy into everything has to be a squash match just because he used to be AEW champion. It should still be a competitive league. You know, otherwise, again, I'm talking about the Premier League over here, so sorry if you don't know, but bottom of the Premier League right now is Sheffield United, top of Manchester United. But Sheffield United can still beat Manchester United, even though it's unlikely. And that's what I want some, not all, wrestling matches to be. Um, big fan of private party, not Matt Hardy turning heel. Well, Matt Hardy was already a heel, but I'm all about that. I thought Miro and Charles Taylor were awesome. I think that's the best Miro's been. He came across like Rusev. And again, that inner circle thing at the end was uh, was fine. It was fun. Oh, the Layla Hurst. I knew there was something else. Was, was this the one with the Layla Hurst match? Or am I getting my... No, that was. That was in the Miro segment. Yeah, because it was Layla Hirsch versus Penelope Ford. I like Layla Hirsch. Layla Hirsch looks like she's going to kick your ass. <laughs> and I'm all about it. Uh, I haven't actually seen NXT from last week yet because I just haven't had time. Like today, for example, not only have I done Raw Ups and Downs, but I've done um, a Superstar Spectacle. And it was, just, it was like last week too. Just like, oh my gosh, there is so much to do. So sadly, I didn't, uh, I didn't get around to it. But uh, I'm going to try and catch up this week. And I don't actually know what's on AEW Dynamite or um, uh, NXT tonight either. I have absolutely no idea. And I'm trying to find it. And I can't. So I should, I like Dave, I always say this, I'm like Dave Meltzer. <laughs> I just don't have my notes with me. But uh, it's Dax, I know, right, Dax Harwood and Jungle Boy. I found it now. Here we go. So yeah, Dax Harwood and Jungle Boy, and everyone's going to be handcuffed to Luchasaurus. That's just gold straight away. So I can't wait for that. Um, and then Sting and Darby Allen going to be on the show. So is John Moxley. Oh, we've got that crazy six-man tag, right? It's the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers, which will be fascinating. Take on Evil Uno, Stu Grace, and John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. Got Lance Arch versus Eddie Kingston. That will be good. Hangman Page versus Ryan Nemeth. Yes, the brother of Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Chris Jericho and MJF versus the Varsity Blondes. And Britt Baker versus Shayna. Or Shane. I can't remember. Shayna? Shayna? I can't remember. But she returns. So that's good, too. And now, can I get an NXT preview? Because I like to be fair. Otherwise, people melt down. The answer is probably not. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't think I can. I lucked into that one. No, I'm not going to be able to find it. Sorry, you're going to have to call me biased, even though I'm not biased at all. Even though you're right, I haven't watched it either. i got no leg to stand on. But yeah, otherwise... It's been an interesting week in wrestling. That NBC deal kind of took over took over everything. As did the Ron, uh, Rod McMahon stuff, because obviously it meant that Vince McMahon wasn't at TV the last uh, week or so, and nor should he have been. He, you should always attend to family stuff as and when as and when you have to. Um, it's also good as well, I should say, that Drew McIntyre is over COVID. He, did, he said he was a bit weak and he, he lost his sense of taste or smell. I think it was taste. And it's, it's a scary disease, man. I think... I know a lot of people disagree with this, but I think you're crazy. Um, you know, there's a lot of horrible stories out there, and I'm just glad that this wasn't another one. And Arn Anderson got it too, and he said, Mick Foley, you know, there's all these horrible stories. So, you know, just wear a mask, protect each other. Remember your fellow man, your fellow woman, your fellow human being. There's, there's no shame in it. I get a few messages saying that. I'm like, I do not understand. Just protect each other. That's the main thing. I get you don't want to talk about politics here, but, you know, it has eked over into our professional wrestling. As for Superstar Spectacle 2, it, it was what it was. It was just, you know, it was a way to kind of underline that WWE's heading in that direction. Next, we'll get, you know, we'll get NXT India soon, much like we have NXT UK, and we'll take it from there. We'll see what's what. I, I, I think it's great for those guys. Um... 
there wasn't much to take away from they all look very capable they obviously still very green and very inexperienced but they'll get better with time it's just going to again it's going to take a while as it does and also yes jim Cornette and chris jericho yelling at each other what i will say about is this so chris jericho said essentially said that you know if jim Cornette wants to keep making money off of him and <laughs> you know using his whatever to create content good luck to him and then jim Cornette responded just the thing I want to talk about is that he mentioned Chris Jericho's physique. And I just want to point out, I know Miller's on his high horse. What an absolute piece of trash he is. I think we've got to stop body shaming each other. You can look however you want to look. And this is coming from a guy that now accidentally runs a fitness channel. But I still think you should look however you look. I think you should take care of yourself. And I think you should be healthy. And I think if you feel like you are unhealthy, you should talk to the relevant people. But it's not my responsibility. I don't know if it's my word. I'd love it for me, a responsibility. But it's certainly... You don't need me coming and telling you. <laughs> like, it just makes me an asshole. It absolutely does. Uh, otherwise, I don't think there's anything else going on. It is Sasha Banks' birthday today. She's 29, I believe. Let me double check that. I saw that in a tweet. And I was like, she can't be 29. But I think she is. She's 29 years old. Or is she 28 years old? She's 28 years old. 20. Oh, no, no, it is 29. There's 29. 29 years old. 29 years old. We're not going to talk about it, but I'm an old man. And Bad Bunny will be performing at the Raw Rumble. He just made a song with Booker T. And now he's doing that. So he's <laughs> he's on his way up. He's absolutely smashing it. And a lot of people mentioning now, I'm just going through my uh, my Google uh, news updates. And a lot of people saying that Jungle Boy versus Dax Harwood. A lot of people are excited about that. Dax Harwood is a good wrestler. He doesn't get the credit he deserves because... Well, he gets credit to being a tag team guy, but he's a good singles wrestler too. And I'm excited to see it. I really, really, really am. And that's it, I think. I don't think there's anything else to talk about when it comes to wrestling um maybe i'm wrong and if i'm wrong you can always message me say someone i can't believe you didn't talk about this that superstar spectacle does mean that um uh, jinder mahal is back too which is awesome i like jinder mahal uh, i i don't really know why <laughs> i just this is something about him that i really enjoy uh, but what we are going to do now uh, we will do the q a later in the week but i will now cut to my interview with aj kirsch I promise you'll you'll enjoy it. You'll get some good insight into wrestling. And again, who knows where he's going to be in the next few months. And hopefully I've nabbed him before he blows up because then I'm going to look like the coolest cat ever. But here he is, my man, AJ Kirsch. Plus, I was like, I was uh, going through some old shit. And we can cover this while we're actually recording. Oh, we are recording. Oh, perfect. I'll forget um, if I don't push it now. I'll forget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Always record. Always yeah. record. So I was going through some old shit, um, just like purging old stuff. And I actually came, I completely forgot I had this. I came across a journal that I kept on Tough Enough. So like after we would do the field trips or the skills challenge or training or whatever, I would write in it like a diary. I'd write down like the drills that we did. I would write down like how I felt about other contestants. And I'm really glad I did that because now 10 years later, if we're, you know, for those of you who may have not like we're, we were talking about that Tough Enough podcast. I don't know if that if you hit record when that was happening. No, I didn't. So what, what I'm going to do is I'm literally going to start. You're going to come in when you were talking there because that's like an amazing tease. So oh, great. Okay, cool. The audio in. <laughs> and now I'm going to say, I've, I've, already, I've already done a little bit beforehand, but it's my man, AJ Kirsch, as I already mentioned. And of course, there he was talking about his experiences on Tough Enough 2011, which is still the coolest story ever that you got onto that show. And as we Thanks, were talking man. before, I remembered to hit record because I'm a moron. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah you, you were talking about, it's been 10 years and you're thinking about doing some kind of watch along or some kind of look back podcast to document your experiences on that show, which is really interesting because when you go back and you see who is on that episode of Tough Enough, they've all, well, not all of them, but a large portion of them have gone on to do something in pro wrestling. And the fact right, that you right. write it all down is really smart. I think you should do it, man. 
Thanks. I think I'm going to. I mean, in talking about it with you right now, and now that it's like out in the open and people are hearing about it, like I would like <laughs> to think that maybe it raises a couple eyebrows and they're like, oh yeah, that would be interesting because Tough Enough was like definitely the launching point for me and my like the path that I'm on right now and my, my wrestling career as a whole. And to your point, like almost, almost everybody came out of that season of Tough Enough with some kind of interesting story or trajectory in pro wrestling. Like Ariane was eliminated the first episode. Everybody remembers her favorite match of all times, Molina versus Alicia Fox. <laughs> and she was the first to get signed. She was a funkadactyl with Brodus Clay for a while. Yeah. And like, she had a good run at WWE. And I think she's a musician now or a singer or something like that. But like, she got a hell of a rub out of WWE Tough Enough. Martin Casaus, who had he not been injured, I maintain that he would have won the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. He went on to be uh, the champion at Lucha Underground and have a great run there. Uh, Matt Cross was obviously continued to just travel the world and make his living as an independent pro wrestler, which I just think is absurdly cool. Oh, yeah. Um, God, who else? Uh, Andy won, but then disappeared from developmental for a while. He got hazed, right? Didn't he? What's didn't that? He? They always said he got hazed, didn't he? The the Yeti. Everyone said he got like a really rough time backstage. Did he? I, I mean, don't know. Well, who I knows, understand. man? Who knows? Right, yeah, right. Who knows? But um, Ivelisse uh, got signed to WWE for a while. Got AEW released, now, and now well, she's yeah. in AEW. Yeah, so like, if you just go back and check out all Eric Watts continuing to wrestle, like, and he became a really good friend of mine. Like, it's it's been cool to see what's happened for a lot of that cast, but um. Going back to my experience, like that really was just such a launching point for me and uh, 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 more than one aha moments on that show. And yeah, so anyway, it's 10 years this this year, uh, 2021 is 10 years since the show shot and aired. And it just seems like the time is right um, for something like that. I kept, I found that journal that I completely forgot that I kept, which I'm sure people would find interesting. And also like Reality shows in general just kind of have that stigma of like, oh, they're bullshit or, oh, you know, this was like scripted or rehearsed or something. And I can understand why, because when you have reality in the name of something, it's like, oh, fuck you. Like, come on. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. still TV ultimately. But people, so people, one of the most common questions I get was like, how much of that was real and how much of it was scripted? And I don't think tough enough to this day, at least the season I was on, gets enough credit for being as free flowing as it was. Like I've done, I've done three reality shows now and people, the producers on the show will see a story taking shape as the show progresses. And they, when they pull contestants aside and, you know, do those like, those like interviews where they were just like, Hey man, how are you feeling right now? Or whatever it is, you just won the skills challenge or you just lost the skills challenge they might ask the questions to try to get the answers that that progress the story that they see forming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But never once did anybody tell me what to say, what to do. And to the best of my knowledge, and I've become pretty close with people who are on the production side of Tough Enough since the show, they always just went, it was ultimately Steve's decision to, set, to decide who stays and who goes. Really? Damn. And yeah, he, he chose and they they honored his decision and they um, they just they just rolled with it. So anyway, I think the podcast is going to happen. I get excited now that I'm talking about it. So I appreciate actually having the chance to bounce that idea off of you. So uh, I think the best thing to do at this point, because I haven't put any thought into production or interviews or anything else, but 
follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at AJ Kirsch. Uh, if you still use Facebook, I know old farts use Facebook, but I'm 30 <laughs> fucking seven. So I still use Facebook. <laughs> Facebook.com slash I am AJ Kirsch. And I'll probably throw some stuff on YouTube as well, which is also YouTube.com slash I am AJ Kirsch. So boom, we got the social media out at the top of the interview Mark, rather than it. at the end of the interview when people are cool. tuning out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but cool. yes, you can expect some more developments on that upcoming Tell All Tough Enough podcast uh, by tuning into my social media. And you should do it as well, because we were talking about this before, you know, we, we I did hit record. That season of Tough Enough is the one that people still talk about. They just do. Probably because Steve Austin was in it, and, you know, people gravitate towards him. But, you know, sure. you had this stuff with, um, you know, the favorite match stuff, which is still hilarious, you know, because you couldn't right. come up with anything else. He went, well, I saw this one match last week. Yeah. <laughs> All of these moments. And I that's why I think you should do it. We've talked about this before, but I think people will be interested. I get that you got on it because you sent in a tape, et cetera, but there's far more to it than that. So what was the process? Like you obviously, for starters, you go, you know, here's my audition tape, but right. you, know, you and what, I don't know, two million, I don't know how many people did it, but I imagine it would be quite a high number. So, you know, you send off your tape and then what? What's the protocol? So I send out my tape and I just remember thinking as I dropped it in the mailbox, because at the time, it, you know, it was like, a, it must've been a DVD or something. Like, like I don't think it was, Dropbox or anything like that but I, I distinctly remember dropping something in the mailbox and just being like somebody's got to be on that show and I don't know I think it should be me like why not me so, somebody has to do it and I got a, I got as good of a chance as anybody else and um so I sent in the tape and just was like well that's that like the rest is is in their hands uh I ended up getting a call from a casting producer in LA that just says hey my name is such and such and we received your audition tape and we like what we saw. Um, would you be available for uh, a phone interview in the near future? And so the, the one phone interview that was about maybe an hour or so turned into an additional phone interview that was, God, maybe hour and a half or two hours, like a very, very thorough interview. And then that turned into a video audition. So it's like, there's just a super thorough audition process because you know, not only do you need to get like interesting characters, but you need to get a difference of stories and backgrounds and ethnicities and just get a wide variety of people, but also make sure those people are good on camera. And by yeah, good, yeah. I mean, not necessarily like, you know, articulate or anything, but something about them that just makes you want to watch them or what yeah, they're yeah, going to of do. Of course, yeah. So um, the video audition went really well. And then, um, Let's see, what was the next step? So after that, I was invited down to LA and I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. So that wasn't like too bad at all. Invited down to LA but I, for an in-person audition, but I was told that I should pack as if I'm going to be gone for six weeks. <laughs> so so make, your, make whatever plans you need to with your employers or your family or friends or whatever. Just let them know that like, I might be down there for a couple of days. I might be gone for six weeks. Nice. So from what I understand, they flew 28 people out to LA to audition in person, 14 people they sent home and the 14 people that they kept uh, went right into shooting like wow, a day man. or two later. Um, and the first thing we shot, which I think was like the second test or the second episode was when we were at a SmackDown in San Diego and they all gave us these like chores to do around the arena where it was like, 
you know, we're like sweeping up the confetti after the main event or we're cleaning something or loading stuff. Um, so that was actually the first thing that we shot, but it was, uh, it was an adventure when they tell you like you might be gone for six weeks. It's that's kind of the first time where I was just like, Oh my God, like this is sinking in. I might actually make it onto the show. Like yeah. this is surreal. And it's cool though, man. It is because look, I mean, I'm going to imagine that, you know, how many people listen to this 50, I'm going to go 50% of them. I get that some people just aren't into that at all, but I get half the people listening at least when the tough enough thing was happening when maybe I should do it. Because you, everyone, right. Thinks, right? Everyone thinks, well, maybe I should do it. Because that reason, you never know. Somebody's right. got to get on it, and you did. Somebody's got to get on it, exactly. Yeah. And if you have that thought, like maybe, then it's worth a shot. Oh, it's totally absolutely cool. worth a shot because well, you'd rather you'd rather hear no, or rather get your tape in there, or whatever the process is, and feel like you have a shot, than wonder and and wallow in just uncertainty the uncertainty is the worst like yeah. maybe i should have or i could have you never know unless you give it a shot so totally, man. early on in this in our conversation here if you can take anything away from this one follow me on social media and two <laughs> you should do it do the thing it's like shia labeouf says do it yeah. do the thing Honestly, man i couldn't agree more because the words that happen you don't hear anything back all right Does right it makes no difference right. to your life whatsoever. Although I will say, I t- I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. Like, I've known you for 10 years now, so you know that. I think you would have gone and done all the things that you went and did anyway. And we're going to talk about some of them. The most Thank recent you. one being, of course, is you popped up on AEW Dark, which for me was, yeah. was brilliant because I had absolutely no idea. So there I am <laughs> just doing my usual uh, Wednesday morning, yeah, Wednesday routine. I just put Dark on, I'm getting my breakfast ready. I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, okay. Which was awesome. So dude, I mean, again, you've been doing, you've been in this game a long time. You know, if anyone's been familiar with Hood Slam, they know that you've been smashing that for ages and you've had some, you know, you've had some serious matches, but you know, AEW right now, I know, especially for guys like you and me, it's cool. It's exciting. It's new. It opens up new barriers and new doors as you've just proven. What's the process, man? Like how did this happen? Cause I know you haven't it's not like you've been wrestling loads over the last couple of years. You've been focusing more on announcing or commentary or emceeing, whatever. So how does right. all that come together? So to your point, I've been like around, it was actually shortly after Tough Enough that I started steering my focus more towards commentary, hosting, ring announcing, and, you know, time permitting, we can get into the why behind that. Um, but uh, because I'll be able to tell you, here's why. And I'll be able to mark out about <laughs> being able to do that. Um, but like, one of the one of the projects that I was involved with um, over the course of my career is a promo competition that launched the Rock's YouTube channel in 2016 that, yeah. called Rock the Promo, which is still up, by the way, if anybody wants to check it out. Just hop on YouTube and, and look up Rock the Promo and it'll pop up. So for those who are unfamiliar, it was a 10 episode weekly wrestling promo competition series when the promos were evaluated by wrestling superstars. So like my promos were evaluated in this order by Kurt Angle, Christian, Cody Rhodes, Mick Foley, and finally uh, live in person in front of The Rock himself. And The Rock was the one who ultimately crowned me The Rock the Promo Champion. So Cody and I go back to 2016 when he was a judge for Rock the Promo. I totally forgot Um, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot, yeah. And then I think some of the other judges were like Hurricane, Tommy Dreamer, Rey Mysterio. I think Vicky Guerrero was one of them. So it, it's super entertaining. It's worth checking yeah. out. Just if nothing else, just to see some like superstar wrestlers eviscerate these 
questionable promos. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, um, so Rock the Promo happened. And then shortly after that, I was, you know, just hosting and ring announcing on the West Coast pro wrestling, uh, indie wrestling scene. And Cody was working indies at the time. So he and I connected at All Pro Wrestling. Um, we just shot the shit for a little while. We exchanged information. And this is 2016, like years before AEW was even an idea for anybody. So when AEW came around, I reached out to him and was just like, you know, hey, man, I see something's really, something really exciting and refreshing is happening. I'd love to be a part of it. Um, and I would just check in with him from time to time and just see if there's an opportunity, not necessarily as a wrestler, because again, that wasn't my focus at the time, but, uh, nor is it today, to be honest, but like as a live event host or a ring announcer or a commentator or a manager, something where I can contribute orally to the product as opposed to physically. Um, and so I took a gig with, uh, MLW major league wrestling in October, 2019. And because excuse me, I wanted to get better acquainted with doing commentary for television and yeah. just get, get a feel for like what that's like if you're being produced and, and having to call stuff on the fly with maybe the chance to fix it in post, but like get an idea of what it's like to call commentary for, for television. Um, and then unfortunately, COVID hit shortly thereafter and I wasn't being used for anything, which means I wasn't getting paid for anything. So I requested my release from MLW. They granted it. So as of the first of this year, I'm no longer under contract to any wrestling organization. I reached out and uh, they were like, yeah, let's, let's get you into dark. Let's see what you can do. And to my surprise, uh, they asked me to wrestle. But rule number one in pro wrestling, always bring your gear. I so, failed that one once before. Yeah. I never oh, no. <laughs> I bet you never, you're never going to hear the end of it. I know. But to be fair, as a quick tangent, it's because I had a shoulder injury. And okay. I, went to, I went to a Defiant show over here in the UK. And I went there because I went to all the shows to help out, as you do, you know, be a good sure. up and coming pro wrestler. And then they just went, oh, yeah, Miller, I know you got a bad job. We just needed you to do, like, it was just like a running and throwing someone over the top rope. So it wasn't going to yeah. happen. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I don't bring anything. And they were just like, <laughs> that was it. That was it. I got eviscerated. Yeah. I learned. But if you're yeah. but if you're running in just to throw somebody over the top rope, do you need to be in your wrestling gear to do that's that? What, that's what I said. So I think they were just hazing me a little bit. I was like, look, yeah. I could do this in my street clothes. So it was all good. Right. Yeah, you're right. You know, that's, that's one of the things about wrestling, too. It's like how there are certain wrestling tropes where it's like always bring your gear but like you know it doesn't make sense for you to be like in your gear and like oiled up and all pumped up and everything just to run out and throw somebody over the top rope so in that context it was fine but as far as like wrestling etiquette goes like oh, yeah you deserve a little razzin for that it's true it's true so you brought your gear then basically and it was let's go Yep, brought my gear and well, I mean, it wasn't just let's go. Like I, I, I'd done the math and I had wrestled prior to that match. I'd wrestled five matches in the last five years, and wow. one of those matches was like two bumps against Heavy Machinery on SmackDown. So that hardly counts. It was like a hip toss and a clothesline, and that was it. Uh, myself and Dave Dutra proudly defending the Yolo County Tag remember, Team Championship. It was brilliant. I loved it. <laughs> Um, so, and I'm actually really lucky that like such a, a squash match, like a total jobber match had like a little moment with it. Like, I, like you were saying, you still remember that you probably, you know, a lot of people don't remember a lot of squash matches, but I'm, I'm very fortunate that that squash match had at least a little bit of an angle and yeah, some yeah, fun definitely. attached to it. So, so yeah, five matches over the last five years. And 
you know, when they're like, hey, do you want to wrestle? And I'm like, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm here to do what's best for the show. Um, I've always been clear with them that my intention and my most valuable contributions to the show are in an oral capacity as opposed to physical, but you want yeah. me to wrestle? Hell yeah, I'll wrestle. But I did have a moment of just like, uh-oh, like I'm not exactly, <laughs> I'm not exactly, go, yeah. yeah, keeping up with my wrestling training. Like I'm, I'm still in great shape. I've taken care of myself during the pandemic. Like I'm still working out, I'm still eating right. So I wasn't worried about like being able to go but I was just like worried about how, how it would feel in there. If it would feel foreign or if I'd feel at home and, and going over the match with, with everybody. And, you know, Casey Navarro, who I tagged with and top flight, who we went against, were just all awesome to work with. And then talking about it with them, I was just like, Oh, I know how to do this. I've been, I'm not, I haven't done this regularly for years, but I've been doing this for years. And so being back in there when it was actually happening, I was like, still confident enough that I remembered to have fun as I was doing it and like talk a little trash and ham it up a little bit. So I, I'm, I'm proud with how it went. Oh, you would never have known. I mean, I would never have known Thank that you, you hadn't been, but you just, it's because again, you used your experience because you hit the nail on the head. I mean, amazingly something I've learned during lockdown of all things is that if you do walk into any match confident, and you do come across like you know what you're doing. Everybody watching just goes, well, that guy confident. He knows what he's doing. It's just right, how it right. works. It's just how it works. But of course, you get so wrapped up in the mental game of it. Or at least I know I do. But you're Absolutely. Back, you're backstage. You're trying to remember, you know, 32,000 moves that you just, you completely lose it about what, you know, about what the idea of wrestling is, which is being in the moment and reacting to this and reacting to that. But when you right. have been doing it, as long as you have, I think it almost becomes ingrained in your nature. And I think so. And when they started Absolutely. Chatting, you would just sort of zoom back to whenever you were doing it week a week, I guess. Right. And also like, it is kind of like riding a bike and to this day, and I'm sure there are a lot of wrestlers watching this will agree. It's like, if you're, you know, messing around with your friends or something and somebody pretends to hit you, you just sell it. You just automatically sell it. You don't, you don't even think about it. You just snap your head back or like grab your stomach and then, you know, with the idea of just like, let's make them feel like a piece of shit for fucking with me real quick. Like that doesn't go away. I don't think it's ever going to go away. If I ever have kids, I'm going to look forward to the time where they like, you know, play punch me in the face. And I just sell it in a way that just makes them feel awful. Damn and right. You know, so there, there is that just like muscle memory that comes into play. Um, but also like it's I've never wrestled. <laughs> I think that was the smallest crowd I've ever wrestled in front of. And, you know, there are some indie shows that have like single or low double digit people, but at AEW dark, it's the ring surrounded by like f- sometimes five or six people because well, of COVID. Of course, you can't do anything else. Yeah. And so it's less about, I think in, in that instance, it was less about reacting to the crowd and like, don't get me wrong. The crowd is arguably the best part of being a pro wrestler and just getting that energy and, and knowing that they're reacting to you, but just having a taste of performing in a ring on, on a stage under the lights was enough to get me like, not necessarily seriously considering a regular return to the ring, but just like, oh yeah, I forgot how good this feels. Oh man, oh, no, definitely. Scratch that itch just once. And I'm just like, Hey man, you got any more of that wrestling in you? <laughs> and you know that you're being, you know, you're going to be watched by hundreds of thousands of people as well. Like that's a pretty right. Cool well, I mean, there was that pressure as well, now. and like it's an opportunity to show some people that could give me a job 
what I'm capable of doing. And so while again, wrestling wasn't my focus and I've been very clear about that, the fact that I can look back on that match and be proud of it and based on your feedback and everybody else's feedback, like I'm, I'm happy with how that went, especially considering sixth match in five years. We should also point out though that, I mean, technically you didn't and you did appear twice on Dark because the week previous- That's true, a that's true. version of you yes. <laughs> popped up. So how does that one go down? I'll let you explain the gimmick because I'm never going to be able to do it justice. Right, well, I feel a little deflated talking about it because uh, when Matt Riddle was signed and then you know eventually brought up to the main roster, he he's doing a bro gimmick and like, I don't know if he saw it or not, like the, the gimmick that I do, but the gimmick that I do is Brosive Joe Brody, which yeah. I changed to <laughs> Brosive Joe Brokely um, on AEW just because to, you know, Brody Lee just passed away and it, I just, it was too early to have another Brody running around. It and makes sense. I'd be surprised if another Brody ever showed up on AEW just yeah. because of what an amazing performer he was and it's an even better human being. Um, but yeah, I've been doing this, this Brosive Joe Brokely character at Hood Slam since 2012. And, you know, that's how I won Rock the Promo. Um, that's kind of the persona that I've adopted since steering my focus toward hosting, ring announcing, and commentary, um, if that role needs a gimmick. And I have so much fun doing that gimmick. I've got like 50 plus shirts on bro wrestling. Oh yeah, so also my merchandise store is not pro wrestling tees, it's bro wrestling tees. I snagged that URL as soon as I could. 50 plus shirts to choose from, all of which are just delightful bro puns. Um, so if you want to check those out, uh, browrestlingtees.com. But um, yeah, so I've been doing this character for a long time. And it was the character that Cody was familiar with from Rock the Promo. And so I came in and um, I don't know how much I can get into it. But all I'm going to say is what aired was not the only thing that happened that night. Um, and so I, you know, for reasons that I'm not familiar with, um, some of the additional segments didn't, didn't make it, but you know, that's, that's fine. The people that were there in person saw what I wanted them to see. Yeah. So I'll, again, I don't want to pull the curtain too far back, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. No, but I did think it was cool that you managed to get both sides of you on AEW Dark in like a two-week span. I was like, Thank is, you. <laughs> this, this, this is great. And also, I will say, uh, I have seen uh, the man in question doing his Hood Slam stuff when I went out there to California and got to see it live. And it was, honestly, it is some of the most riotous pro wrestling I've ever seen in the best possible way. Still, Thanks, my, my, my girlfriend came to that as well. And even she said, because she had come to a couple of wrestling shows over here with me. And she was like, man, UK needs to do it more like that. She was like, yeah. was, wow, that was insane. She was like, she didn't really care what was going in the ring. She's just like looking around at everything else. Like the atmosphere is what got her. And you right. do get that with some UK shows, but you know, you also get some which are like, you know, a bunch of old women in a village hall. And I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I still love Amazing. I still love them because old women, they'll get into it like they did in the world of sport days. But yeah, it lacks the, uh, the ferociousness of that of that venue and that was the best thing about it you leave even if you're in the crowd feeling like you were in a fight and that was the right cool thing about it. So, oh man that's exhausting in the best possible way so yeah that's really cool and for those of you who are uh, unacquainted like go on youtube and just check out hood slam plug hood slam into youtube it's a 21 and over pro wrestling party in this like warehouse music venue in uh, oakland california and it's just 
it's it, I, I use the term pro wrestling party because it really is like people are just raging it up and there's no guardrails. People are literally like right up against the ring. Um, and it's just a, it's just a, we don't give a fuck attitude. And That's the fans so bring true. that same attitude and the energy in that building you felt it is just like otherworldly. So I'm, you know, it's, it's what I miss most about the pandemic as far as performing. I dearly miss Hood Slam. Um, and unfortunately, it's probably going to be one of the last things to come back because it, we packed a lot of people in a very tiny space. <laughs> and so, so it's a breeding ground for COVID. But <laughs> one of the things that's like helping me get through, though, is the thought of that first show back. Oh, man, wild. The, oh, the anticipation and the energy is just going to be explosive in a way that I don't think anybody in that room will have ever felt before. So oh man, I, I look can't forward fucking to wait. Well, man. I, I remember when I, I remember leaving that and I was like, I need to get home now. I need to wrestle. I was like, I just need to wrestle. Yes. <laughs> I need to do stuff. Why are we here? Oh no, it was so good. I do want to get- It was really good seeing you there, by the way. Like that oh, was no. like, what, two years ago or something? Amazingly, that was like two years ago around this time. Yeah, it was February, 2019. So where the hell right. did that go, right? Where the hell? Fucking poof. Yeah, more terror. So yeah, me and AJ met 10 years ago. That's vanished. So two years ago is now, uh, right. Before we talk more general wrestling stuff, I do need, you mentioned The Rock and we do need to talk about The Rock because The Rock is basically the most famous man on the planet, right? I mean, you could argue that and you're somehow his friend, which is the most incredible (laughs) thing in the world because I remember, this is a while ago now, obviously, but this always happens just talking to the people listening now. This always happens with AJ. Something will just pop up on his Twitter feed and you're like, well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life because you managed to get on Ballers, which I think has actually come to the end of its run now, I'm pretty sure. The I think so, yeah. HBO, I think it was HBO. We didn't get HBO. We, I think we got it on Sky One over here and I don't I don't have Sky One, so I didn't get to see it. But I mean, how does that go down? How does The Rock, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, who a guy who's, who's so famous in now two industries that my mum, for example, has no idea he used to be a wrestler, just knows him as this famous oh, That's so funny. And then, you know, you get to go on a show that he's kind of, you know, I mean, that reason it existed was because of him. He went to right. HBO and said, I want this to happen. I got this idea. They went, well, yes, Rock, we'll do whatever you want because everything you touch turns to gold. So yeah, For I don't actually ever talked about how the hell you managed to, to do that. It was incredible, man. Thanks, man. Thank you. So that, um, that came about in, I want to say like February, maybe late January of, of 2017. So it was only a few months after uh, I had won Rock the promo. Yeah. And um, since... Like, to make a long story short, after Tough Enough, I kind of shot myself around to different talent agencies in the San Francisco Bay Area because I wanted to beef up my performance resume with other project with projects and other avenues of entertainment so that I could look like a more attractive commodity to WWE because they need their talent to do just about anything if they get an yeah, opportunity yeah. to do something different. So I can I started doing like commercials and TV shows and reality shows and voiceovers, basically anything I could get my hands on. And so after, fast forward to, uh, let's see, late 2016, there was a a general casting call went out for extras in an episode of Ballers, which was shooting in San Francisco, because I think there was an episode actually about the Raiders going to Vegas or something like that. Um, And so I, you know, let my agent know about it. They submitted me and um, they had me on schedule to be an extra at a hotel in a hotel lobby scene during the day. And so I like show up, I'm all suited up. Like everybody's looking there. It was at the Fairmont hotel, which is just an, a gorgeous luxury <laughs> hotel. 
and um and dj he goes by dj dj is just meandering through going from i guess makeup to set and he's like not far away from where i'm at so i just kind of like go up to him like hey dj and he turns around and he's like hey what's up man good to see you here like what are you doing here i'm like oh yeah i'm i'm an extra today like I, i'm i'm gonna be hanging out like it was like oh that's great you know what um why don't you come back later tonight and we'll see if we can uh like get some screen time together and so i know it's so stupid i'm like uh that sounds great i would like that <laughs> um just geeking out entirely like you know like like you said arguably the biggest star in the world he didn't have to do that he could have just been like hey what's up man good to see you and just been on his merry way but yeah. he like stopped and talked to me and made me feel like a human being and offered to you know have me share some screen time with him that night um so i went home giddy as fuck came back to the same hotel later that night and we shot a scene in like this not a rooftop, but on a, on a, in a bar on one of the really high floors, by the way, I don't know if you can hear that they're renovating the apartment next to me. So sorry if, if they're, you can hear some clanging and banging over there. Um, but yeah, so, um, the, they brought me back that night and, um, let's see one of the producers on the show who just kind of decides where people go. He like kind of grabs me by the shoulder and he's like, okay, you, I want you over here. And then when Dwayne hits the bar, I want you to walk up to the bar and order a drink. And we're just miming this, by the way. Like he's, he's the only one talking. Everybody else is pretending to talk. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, so that went from just being like probably an unrecognizable extra in the lobby that day to being at the same bar with The Rock and just ordering a drink. And I've got a cool little freeze frame where he's talking to whoever's talking to. And I'm just kind of hanging out, smiling in the background. And um, the coolest part about that night, though, was we actually, uh, when he wasn't needed and I wasn't needed, we ducked into a hallway and just kind of, like, talked for 10 minutes, just, like, shooting the shit, just as human beings. And he was just so, he never once felt like he was big-leaguing anybody or was inaccessible. He always felt like he was, he felt like he was engaged with the conversation. I actually had an extra spot with WWE coming up, like, maybe a couple weeks after that. So I was just, like, picking his brain and like he just made me feel like a human being rather than you know rock, the rock Dwayne Johnson this enormous star and me yeah. just like trying to get whatever gig I can so that's awesome man that's a great he's story. always been that way for in my experience with him he's always just been humble exactly who he looks like he is on social media he is that guy yeah, which is nice though, because like, even if he was just acting that way, it's still nice because that's the person that he puts out there. But when you hear these right. stories over and over and over again, you're like, well, I'm pretty sure there's more to this too. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty right. sure there's some depth to this as well. Uh, right. So I do want to talk about sort of general wrestling with you because this is how we, you know, 2011. When did you, actually, when did you join? The Ministry of Slam is basically, if you don't know, my first ever wrestling audio production was the Ministry of Slam, which Lawrence and Lee have actually just brought back. So I will make sure I put on it Twitch, in right? On Twitch, yeah. I'll get Lawrence's Twitch and I'll make sure I put it in the description. So check the description. Um, when did, did you join in 2011 or did you join in 2012? I can't remember. I think so. I want to say I, I came on for like an interview yeah, in yeah, 2011. Yeah. And then it just... Enough. Yeah. And then I think it just went so well that we were just... You just... I was invited back sooner rather than later and we made it a regular thing for a while. We did. It was awesome. That was that was the that was the high day. So yeah, we've been talking wrestling a lot, but obviously wrestling today is vastly different from, you know, what it was back then. 
and yet you have always been consistent with your <laughs> with your take on wrestling, which is usually this dumb this dumb thing happened. Then on a separate line, oh wrestling, oh dog, dog. no wrestling, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Up how how nuts it is. What I, I get, I mean, taking the pandemic out of it because I know no fan sucks. Wrestling's never going to be as good without that. What do you, I mean, it's so different now because of AEW and, and because of Impact and because of MLW, even Ring of Honor has now come up with this completely brand new concept. You're like, wow, you feel, you know, you feel like you're completely unique and standing on your own two feet. How do you kind of consume it at the moment, I would guess? Because, you know, you're a busy guy, you've got stuff going on. Um, and I always know if I didn't do what I do, would I be able to watch everything? I don't think I would. I think right. it would be next to impossible. So, yeah, where are you at with it in the moment? I'm, I'm pretty selective with what I tune into nowadays. Yeah. Um, I also barely watch, I mean, I don't watch TV anymore. I, I consume yeah. on-demand content. It's YouTube, it's Netflix. It's um, honestly, it's a lot of social media. If, if, I, if I can't be in a position or in a place to watch WWE live as it happens or anything else for that matter, I'll just look at social media and see if there's anything worth like checking out. And between the, you know, the 90 second clips or the two minute clips that are floating around social media, my wrestling itch is pretty well scratched at the moment. And plus I can go from in the same scroll. I can see what's happening on AEW, what's happening on MLW ring of honor. I mean, and I'm also very fortunate to, to have friends um, who are in a number of these companies. And so I follow them on social media anyway. Yeah, so stuff, yeah. I feel as plugged in now as I, as I ever have been just because of mostly because of social media, I spend very little time actually sitting down and watching uh, wrestling nowadays. Yeah, no, I totally get it because, well, A, it's intimidating to say the least. God, you there's just so much. There is so much and there's too much, which is why you do have to be selective, but also, right. I mean, especially with Raw, for example, it's, I, I don't, I don't include SmackDown this anymore because SmackDown's got its shit together, right? SmackDown is actually sort of ticking along. It all makes sense. Whereas Raw is just a bag of madness. <laughs> like, so yeah. you actually, you know, you don't have to sit down and watch Raw every week. You can just pick and choose because it usually tells context, usually tells stories within their own context and you get to the next week and it tells another story and so on and so forth. So it is an absolutely, you know, bizarre time to, to be, not bizarre, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. You know, because there's a lot to choose from and a lot of it's very accessible. Exactly. But I understand that, you know, a show like Raw that is it's still the flagship, you know, it's still the one that most people will talk about is especially the last few months has been, you know, I, I, I always know when it's going the wrong direction because it's not just the usual voices going, oh, this is crap. You hear even the positive people going, I didn't enjoy it as much as I hoped. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, which is the nice way of saying like, this is crap. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, are you going to watch the Royal Rumble? Do you know what's going on about the Royal Rumble? Because obviously, you know, I say second biggest pay-per-view of the year. Some people put it as number one because the stipulation yeah, is so good. I think it's the most unpredictable, um, the most exciting, just because of you, you really never know who's going to pop up. And yeah. wrestlers especially have this certain way of like, like I would, I still... I'd be kind of surprised, but I would not be surprised if Hacksaw Jim Duggan made an appearance <laughs> at a Royal Rumble because like that wrestlers can do that. They can yeah. come back after being gone for years and years. And all he has to do is hold up a thumbs up and a two by four and yell, Oh, and I think everybody would pop. Uh, I think like moments like that make the Royal Rumble really special. And it is one of those events that like, I think regardless of the shape that wrestling's in wrestling fans just love the Royal Rumble. Like, it's just, it's just fun to watch. It's fun to get your, 
friends together or in this year, you know, Zoom together and watch the Royal Rumble. Um, I don't know that I'm going to watch it live. Again, I think it's the type of thing where um, I might just like look at social media and, and, I, and especially this is going to be the first Royal Rumble where there's no crowd too. I'm so, actually intrigued by it. I don't know how it works. Yeah. I mean, you got to make noise, but you, you, you mentioned it earlier. Without that, I hate the word, but without that organic and real reaction. It's just not the same. And that's not, it's not everybody's fault. Like, that's just where we're at. But whether right. or not. But that, that in is- itself is a reason to tune in and see what it's going to be like, which is like, obviously, COVID has been absolutely horrible, but like, it has, it's, it's forced people to think on their feet and make adjustments and pivot. And it's like, okay, let's see what the Royal Rumble looks like in this environment. True. No, it's true. I'm so, did you watch any of the shows when they were in the performance center and it was like a funeral home? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I mean, it, dismal it was dismal i i think i you know as brains i want to do i think i got into this position where i was like oh no it's fine and then i sort of i caught some highlights from wrestlemania whatever a few weeks ago and i was like it's flipping terrible yeah <laughs> this, is, this is unwatchable stuff again it's nobody's fault but oh man it's kind of crazy that we're still here yeah yeah i mean and they're just doing the best they can right it's not like they can stop i mean wwe is never going to stop for anything ever i think like if they could if they could, if the apocalypse happened and they could find a way to do thunderdome with like you know mad max and and they I, th- I think they'd find a way to do it yeah they but, uh within the actual actual they, they would do the four horsemen versus the four horsemen that's what they would do in the, in, in, the the in the thunderdome in the thunderdome, mad max yeah. thunderdome yeah, yeah, exactly that's what they would do um, I, sh- I should talk to you about this because obviously the news spills out over here but you're in the thick of it the whole NBC buying the W, not by licensing the WWE network. I mean, right. has it actually, is it a big story over there? Does people actually care? Or is it that classic wrestling thing where wrestling fans care and everyone else is like, ah, oh, stupid wrestling. Wrestling fans definitely care more than anybody else does. But, you know, it's, it's making the rounds on all the major news outlets oh, really? and social media outlets. So it's like, it's a, it's a big deal. And I mean, it's a, a billion dollar deal for, I think, five years. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's... <laughs> a pretty penny right there like that's a, <laughs> they make- that's a good get um but yeah wrestling fans like i think i saw a tweet i want to say it was from brian zane who's another kind of internet wrestling personality yeah, who does oh, wrestling yeah. with regret i think yeah, yeah, yeah. and he uh he tweeted something out where he's like uh wrestling fans we want wrestling to be more mainstream <laughs> peacock buys wwe network wrestling fans no not like that <laughs> like so i think true. i think it's less wrestling fans want wrestling to be more mainstream. I think wrestling fans want to feel cool for liking wrestling again, which really hasn't happened since the Attitude Era, I think. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why the Attitude Era, everybody points to the Attitude Era of being this heyday. I think the most recent heyday of wrestling is because it was cool. It was cool everywhere. It wasn't just cool for wrestling fans or in certain you know, demographics or something like wrestling was just cool at the time between Austin 316, the NWO, Degeneration X, and even like too cool. And the Godfather, like they yeah. just wrestling was just entertaining from top to bottom, but it was cool for everybody to like wrestling. So I don't know that wrestling fans, like if it goes too mainstream, then it's like that band that sold out where it's like, well, I liked it first. And it's like, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Like, we just want, we as wrestling fans just want to point to pro wrestling and be like, check that out. I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I like that. Yeah. And there hasn't been a lot of that 
There hasn't. Um, and I, I know that you're right because I remember it used to get, I, I find it amazing now. I remember it was meant, it was like a, a hidden secret when you were in school that you like wrestling. Right. You wouldn't tell anyone. And people would ask you, like, no, I don't like wrestling. What are you talking about? Like, you would yeah. deny everything. I've never heard of it. No, anything. you mean that fake stuff? <laughs> Lame. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> I remember the day that it changed. I remember all the people that had been doing the bullying. They were talking about Austin and The Rock and the DX. And I was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> like, right. Beating me up for this yeah. day. And now yeah. it's cool. And it hasn't been that way. Um, I guess, you know, it's completely different. It's more of a niche now than ever, but also bigger than ever because, you know, 2000. It's a weird, it's a weird, I mean, in that respect, wrestling's in a very weird place. Like there is so much content to choose from. And like people I think are more aware of pro wrestling now. Like put the words out my mouth. Yeah. They're more aware of it, but I think we as wrestling fans are still, especially longtime wrestling fans are like fans who were fans during the attitude era. I think, I don't know if anything is going to compare to not just the content that WWF at the time was putting out and WCW for that matter and ECW, like all of them, I feel like are responsible for fanning the flames for the popularity of pro wrestling back at that time. But also like we were watching that during our formative years, like as we were growing into the human beings that we would eventually become. And so it's like, for us, I feel like, and also the movies we watched and the video games we played, like we're always going to have a soft spot in our hearts for the things that we were passionate about when we were 12, 13, 14, 15, course, 16 yeah. years old. And so I think in that respect, we're always going to be partially biased to the Attitude Era, but wrestling may be more profitable now than it was 20 something years ago, but they're just, something about it just isn't the same, hasn't been since and may not ever be again. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And it's also why some people growing up on wrestling now are going to get 10 years down the line and go, oh, it's better when Roman Reigns was, you know, was yeah. the <laughs> that's just what happens. That's just what happens. Right. It's crazy. Um, just because I've just noticed the time as well. I want to get a couple more questions with yourself. What? I mean, take all the time you want. I'm having a fucking blast. I don't have to be <laughs> anywhere right now. Like, let's let's go as long as you're you're willing to go. All right, let's do it. But what do you want to, what's next for AJ Kirsch? Because, you know, the AEW thing is pretty cool. Like you said, not 100% sure what it means or where it's going. But you're still going to have other goals and stuff like that. I know that obviously, again, COVID is going to get in the way. But in terms right. of 2021, do you, you know, before the AEW thing even came about, did you have like a list of things you wanted to do, a check off, you know, anything like that? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, AEW is still the goal for me. Yeah. Um, but because I, you know, I had my look and hopefully it leads to something else at this, at the, as of the time of this interview, Tuesday, January 26th at 11.50 a.m. here on the West Coast. And what, almost, uh, what, eight o'clock over there in uh, that's right, yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah. So as of this time, I don't know. I don't know what, it, I don't know, I don't know what the future holds. I'm trying to be patient and, and outlast COVID. I think this year will be the year that we start to get live events back. And I... I'm not kidding when I say I just might weep with joy at the first one. Like it's, <laughs> and I'm sure, you and me both. oh my God, it's so I, I'm trying to get to that point. But as far as like within the world of professional wrestling, AEW is the goal. Um, I'm happy with my showing there, but I don't know. I don't know. And that's been one of the struggles of this pandemic. And I think my most daunting struggle this year so far, and probably for, much of the rest of this year is that like 
for so long, it's been pursuing making a living in pro wrestling. And that's led to other amazing opportunities such as different reality shows and voiceovers and, and like traveling and friendships and all this other stuff. But like, it's always kind of been wrestling. And at this point, I feel like the appropriate parties are aware that I'm interested. They are aware of my talents and I'm in this kind of like waiting game to see if an opportunity becomes available. If I get a call back, like I'm just, I'm in this purgatory again. And it's a very uh, challenging place to be because obviously I want a job. I'm not working during COVID. Like I'm as a professional live event host, uh, actor, pro wrestler, commentator, broadcaster, all this stuff, almost all of that stuff has come to a complete halt since COVID hit. So like, I've got a couple side hustles that have been making ends meet in the meantime, but like what I'm most passionate about hasn't happened in 10 months. Um, and the sliver of tastes that I, that I have had have come and gone. And so I don't know what's next. I got to figure out what else I'm passionate about. And that's not to say that I'm going to stop pursuing pro wrestling. I mean, at this point, like getting a look at, from AEW means I'm closer than ever to achieving that goal of getting a job with AEW, but I don't know if that's going to happen. And I need to have something in place that excites me and invigorates me and makes me want to get up at four in the morning and work out doing push-ups in my bedroom (laughs) when I don't necessarily have a reason to get out of bed nowadays. It's a weird, it's weird. It's a weird place. So, if you could choose as well, you'd still go the non-wrestler route, right? You'd still pick a... Whatever my, my my ideal scenario would to be AEW's Heenan or Heyman. Oh, man. I, would want, I would want them to be able to slide me into commentary, managing. If I need to get beaten up in the ring or, or beat somebody up, I can do that. I refereed for two years before I like became a pro wrestler. Like If there's a an on-camera pro wrestling role, I can do it. And I just want to be that, like, when I started out in pro wrestling, I wanted to be Shawn Michaels. I wanted to be the greatest worker of all time. I wanted to main event WrestleMania, all this other stuff. Not that I wouldn't if that somehow came along, of course, (laughs) because who knows? It's wrestling. But, like, the, the more I progressed in my career the more I wanted to be Bobby Heenan or to make a more modern uh, example, MVP. He can do everything right now. He can manage, he can do commentary, he can wrestle, like he can, he can do it all right now. I want to be that utility guy that you can slide into any role and I will deliver the way you want me to. And then some. I think that's awesome, man. It's good to have that kind of focus too, because then if an opportunity does reveal itself, you're like, I can do it. I can do it. And also- Put, put me at, in, coach. Yeah, yeah, they're right. And if you look at AEW too, you know, you could probably argue, you know, a lot of their managers do, and I really like how they use their managers, but they do fit into that legend, veteran kind of status. So why can't you go the other way and have the more, you know... Get some fresh blood in there. Exactly, like, why not, right? That's, that's what it's right. all about. So yeah, I, I think that would work. So I'm interested. I, don't, I think given the craziness of the world, I would guess, man, that the story is... Far from over is what I would say. That would be. Oh, I, I I appreciate that. And, and I, my story is not done, like not by any means. And um, I'm just as, as curious as anybody else is to see what happens next. But I'm honestly in a place right now where I'm like, I don't know what happens next. You know what happens next? 
that tell all tough enough podcast. That's what happens <laughs> next. Let's see. It's something, right? Let's make that happen. Maybe yeah. that will lead to something that I don't even, I can't even fathom at the moment. I don't know, but true, I've been, I've been, um, kind of kicking and screaming with COVID about trying to hold myself to stand pre COVID standards, as far as like productivity and fitness and just everything. And so I'm still kicking and screaming a little bit, but I, I, I am well aware that I need to embark on a new endeavor again, not, not stepping away from an old one, but just having something to apply myself toward until I can get back to doing what I love more than anything. Spot. And honestly, I totally get that as well, man. Like you hit the nail on the head. Like I think the best way it was described to me is that you get certain people that are terrified about the world passing them by. And then when all of a sudden COVID hit, you almost had this nice satisfaction, the sense, well, I don't have to worry about that anymore. But that lasted all of a day. And then you were like, no, I much prefer being in the position where I'm scared of it passing right. by because I'm motivated and I go after this stuff. And it's not always, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the, I want to be sure Michael's now I want to be this guy. You have these ide- these grand ideals, but really it's just about being in the hustle, as they say. It's just about going after it. And if something does work out, well, that's the dream. But if it doesn't, well, it's okay because I was smacking away at things. And that's been um, my issue as well when it comes to stuff is that I think we, we talked about this at one point. It, it was a year ago today. I had, so 2020, I had wrestling bookings lined up throughout the year because it was going to be my year to try and get good because I'm not going to pretend otherwise I was green as grass I got in the ring during the headlights would freeze up and I thought okay well I'm just gonna have to get my reps in right all of it vanished just like that and at first I was like again I did have a couple of days like well it's the same for everybody but then your mentality is just like yeah but I'd rather be stressed (laughs) like that good kind of stress like I really want it I really want it and all you can do is shrug your shoulders and hope that it does come around again but like you say throwing yourself into other things is just i mean that's what i did i started just making a bunch of other random content because i was like well, i don't know what it's going to do but it's something to do i just needed something to do i needed something that gave me numbers and analytics and feedback that i can go okay, i can right. use this to to do the same kind of thing i was doing before and as we also talked about before i hit the record button you're like me you know you have been training and lifting weights and keeping yourself in shape for years we've discussed that plenty of times and now you're doing push-ups on the floor and i'm doing my 32s in my house and i hate it and i'm like <laughs> I don't hate working out. I don't hate it in my house, but I find it, it's far more difficult for me to get motivated to do it. You know, right. I really have, and it's never been the way. I used to run to the gym. I just right. really couldn't stop me. Whereas now you're like, oh, I could eat a pancake. Well, I think, I think part of that is like, you had a place to run to. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's something about like a change in your environment that makes you feel like you're progressing or that just puts you in a mindset that makes you more conducive to work. Like, it, I, I, God damn, if I had like a dollar for every time I sat down in front of my computer to put some time and energy into a new project or something, you know, I, I, I often say 2020 was the year of throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. Oh yeah. And I'm lucky that some of my things have stuck and I'll get into those in a moment. But like, if I had a dollar for every time I sat down at my computer to try to create something new that I hadn't done before that I've wanted to try for a long time. And then 10 minutes later, I'm just fucking doom scrolling Twitter (laughs) or Instagram. Like I'd be able to retire right now. And so because there is no separation of space between where you handle your fitness and where you do your work and where you sleep and where you spend time with your partner, if you have one, like that's become far more, difficult a challenge to navigate than I thought it would have. And like, I am 
really happy with the shape I'm in right now. Like if you look at some of the pictures I've shared from, from AEW, like I was going to say, like you, you, you are, there's, there's no way you would know you don't have a proper place to work out. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm, I was able to uh, like, and I was the like, wake up every day, regardless of how early and go to the gym. That was my routine. That was part of my fucking identity for a long time. I was the wake up early and go to the gym guy. Um, and that had to change because of COVID. And so I'm really happy with the adaptation that had to take place with my fitness because I'm happy with my body, my diet's dialed in and how I look and feel is really important to me. And because I was like, when, when shelter in place was announced, I was like, oh my God, how am I gonna take care of myself? So the fact that I can still take care of myself and be happy with how I look and feel during COVID is a reminder that the adaptations that you think are impossible, they can absolutely take place. They can happen. It's just a matter of being disciplined and consistent, just like it is with success in anything else. And so yeah. I know that whether it's this podcast or um, some of the other stuff that I'm doing, which again, I'll plug as soon as I'm done with this rant, <laughs> it's about being disciplined enough to not get on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and just be like, well, what is everybody else doing? What am I doing? What could I be doing differently That's brilliant, to, to get myself to a place where I feel okay with who I am when all the things that I thought I was were taken away from me. That's spot on, dude. That is spot on. I always say that. Like, it's so easy to, oh, this guy's doing that. That girl's doing this. Like, why isn't it happening to me? And it's like, well, they probably manipulated a little bit for social media because we all do that. But also use it as inspiration. Like, use right. it as inspiration. Like, it's not going to be easy and there's going to be a lot of hard work and you may not even get there. You know, it starts with all the effort and stuff. But if you don't try... You don't it know. starts with making that audition video and dropping it in the mailbox and being like, it maybe, it maybe. Yeah, and it's true. And look what happened, right? You, you know, you got right. an experience. That's the other thing I've realized as I get older, the experiences are the coolest thing ever. That's what you want. Success is an absolute um, cherry on top, but it's right. experiences that you really, really need in order to keep you ticking over. Because again, I'm sure most people would say this, you get the success and then the next day you go, well, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, yeah right. And, and if you're truly an ambitious and hungry person, then you are rarely and fleetingly content. Yeah. Like, it, like I mean, I'm lucky that I had a, a lot of like surreal achievements in my career, but like when I won Rock the Promo, it was like, cool, now what? Yeah, ah, oh, dude, I get it, man. I, I do that with everything in my... My poor girlfriend always just stares at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, no, this is how it works. This is how it works. Right. That now. We climbed Everest. Where's Everest 2? Yeah, to exactly. I need to go Let's to drill to the center of Everest. <laughs> it's true. It's like, turn, the, turn the temperature down by an extra 50 degrees and I'm going again. That's just what right. it is. And it's, it's yeah. a I mean, curse. Like with the AEW stuff too, like seeing, like hearing your feedback about the match and like everybody else's feedback has been like, super heartwarming like to hear that it looks like i belong in a ring after you know being in there so sparingly after the last several years is like means so much to me but the other side of that is that i don't like talk about super often is like when i get that feedback i'm like thank you and then in my head i'm like but i'm not signed yet and so it's like it's it's rarely it's rarely enough and performers too are we're just so ridiculously hard on ourselves like we'll if, if we know we messed up on something even if nobody else could tell we're just like that was dog shit and every, you know people are like what are you talking about 
This was awesome. I loved it. I loved this and that and that and that about it. And it's like, yeah, but I flubbed that word or this could have been better. And it's just, it's a constant, it's a constant struggle. But dude, it is. And it is. But I think within that, even though you do have some difficult times, it is, it's an encouragement to get better as well. And to never sort of repeat those mistakes. As I know, you know, I, I look back at some of my old videos, for example, I'm like, this is trash. But hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully I watched them and I was like, well, you know, you know, make sure that, that I'm always looking at it and I go, well, you know, make it not trash. The one that right. really, really sparked me is I had my, you know, my first ever wrestling match. I did it for Defiant, which had quite a big YouTube following. And I threw some of the worst clotheslines you've ever seen in your life, mostly because I was terrified. And because I was in there with like a who's who of the British UK independent wrestling scene. I don't want to go in there and take someone's head off because into like, well, that guy sucks. In hindsight, right. actually probably would have been better to do that than sort of tap them because they were like, don't tap me, you idiot. But again, you learn. <laughs> yeah. But I, I couldn't help but read the comments, which I try not to do. And, you know, one of the ones, I, hence why I'm talking about it now, was like, they are the worst clotheslines ever. And I remember it was like a dagger in my heart. But what you have to remember, look, some people also add on, fucker, go and die because they're all insane. <laughs> but if, if, <laughs> Quit if, the if, business. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you remove all that stuff, why did it get me in the heart? Because it was true. Do you know what I mean? That's what it was. Right. It, I knew they were dog. And so straight away, I was like, okay, well, that's something you've got to work on next time around. And I think it's that mentality, which we're always going to do because there was probably a hundred other comments going on. Oh, Miller, well done. You did it. You know, but I was like, yeah, but my, my clotheslines. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, dude, yeah. what's your other projects before we forget the other projects you got to plug? That's right. That's right. So um, I started doing um, zero equipment, body weight workouts, at home on Twitch, um, which is twitch.tv slash AJ Kirsch. So like um, it started out every day, but then I got kind of burned out doing it. So now it's like two or three days a week, usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Thursday. Um, I'll hop on Twitch. And what I do is I have a deck of cards and I call the workout big oh, nice. deck energy. Nice. And so I'll draw a card and then whatever is on that card is however many repetitions that we do. So it's like this prison style workout, but like I always feel I've never done a workout in my life where I don't feel better after the workout than I did before the workout. There's just True. something about awakening my body that just makes all of me feel far more alive and alert and um, just, just great. And so with lockdown happening, I figured other people might need some motivation and somebody to follow along with to get the desire to work out. So I started doing these workouts on Twitch um, so if you're having trouble, and the, the videos stay up, by the way, I realize a lot of your listeners are in the UK and it's an eight hour time difference. So it would probably be like 1am or something in the UK when I'm actually doing these, <laughs> but the, the videos do stay up on my Twitch page. So if you want to just follow along, you can, again, it's twitch.tv slash AJ Kirsch. Um, and then I've also started gaming. Um, a friend of mine got a PS5 gifted me his ps4 nice. so right now i'm enjoying my first playthrough of god of war which is fucking epic out of 10 man yeah i love that game oh it's it's amazing so twitch has become um a, a fun and um viable side project for me and then also i'm on patreon so if you'd like to support me on patreon i would really appreciate it that's patreon.com slash aj kirsch um, there's like seven different tiers or something from $1 a month to $100 a month. So you're guaranteed to find something you like and something that fits your budget. But even if it's just a follow on social media, a subscription on YouTube, um, what, however you choose to support, even if it's just getting something out of this interview, 
I appreciate it very much. And I'm super grateful to you for having me on and that oh, we've stayed friends for 10 years. And like you and I met in person once, just once. But because Honestly. of our time on Ministry of Slam and just our conversations over social media, I do consider you a friend and I'm grateful for our friendship. I'm very touched by that, man. The feeling is mutual to the point, again, uh, the reason I keep bringing my girlfriend is because when AJ and I met, she was with me. We were on holiday, basically. And she said the same thing to me. She went, you've only met, this is the first time you met him in person. <laughs> I was like, it is literally the definition of an internet relationship, I suppose. And right. she, she was blown away, but I was really touched by that because it goes to show... Like, like Lee and Lawrence and all of us, we just all got on. And the fact that we can still be here 10 years later talking from across the world to each other, looking into a screen. And it's like, you know, we talked yesterday. I think, right. I think it's awesome. And I think, you know, I don't want to get too you know silly with it, but it's true. Even though all the stuff that we've talked about, we are those people. I absolutely have realized throughout the pandemic, the relationships and everything like that are super important. And, you know, getting to be able to do this is is great. It is great, man. And also to see you doing all of these things it not only motivates me because I'm like, well, no, I've got to do those things. But I also <laughs> know that you put the effort in as well. So it kind of redefines this idea that I know we both have that, you know, be a good person, work your ass off and, you know, things will happen. You don't know what those things yeah. will be, but they will happen. So, yeah, it's been awesome. Likewise, man. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And this has been an absolute delight. And again, I'm, I'm ready. I'm willing to go as long as you want to. Uh, it feels like we've reached a nice, warm and fuzzy conclusion. But I, again, I'm I'm down to hang out uh, longer. Should, I'm down to talk with you again. You let me know. You let it. me know where we go from here. We we'll should go. do it again, man. I think we should absolutely do it again. I mean, I I actually do have to go and uh, have to bring my girlfriend of all things because she's going to be like, <laughs> where where did you go? I said I'd ring her yeah. agent to go, but she'll understand. Poor, I don't know why she's become the theme of this. Podcast. She's she keeps popping up, right? She'll you're listen and she'll hate it. She's like, what do you keep talking about? For? I was like, well, I did have to ring you. Um, you put her over for the last hour and a half. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> I did. That's how I'm going to spin it. I'll ask you one more question, dude. I'm going to Chris Jericho it because I know you have a good answer. What is your favorite match you've ever had? Oh, God. Favorite match I've ever had. Well, okay. A bunch come to mind, but the one that came to mind first and the one that often comes to mind when people ask this question is I was less than a year in the business as a wrestler. So this is in 2006. Um, it was at a place called the Dome in Bakersfield, which isn't as big as it sounds, but still a big That's venue. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it, it was. It was cool. It was a cool spot. Um, it was with All Pro Wrestling, and I was part of a tag team called Ego. Um, and it was my very first main event. It was against the New Age Outlaws. That's ridiculous. On my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Like it was one of those, it was the first time in my wrestling career that like, I was just, it was my very first, like, is this really happening moment? Like it was like, knew it. And we, we went over, I pinned Billy Gunn, like, That's and to be still so green in the business. And so like, I knew how to conduct myself in the locker room and not like mark out for people, but I'm still so new to wrestling that the fan inside me is like, Dude, you're gonna fucking pin Billy Gunn in the main event <laughs> on your birthday. At the time, I was like, this is as good as it's ever gonna get. This yeah. is it. I can retire tomorrow and have an amazing story to tell on a podcast in 16 years. <laughs> um, so I guess I guess when people ask me that question, I think chronologically, because that one is obviously less about the match. The match went great, but the, it was, that's less about the match and more about where I was in my career, what the match meant to me personally. 
Exactly. Um, but that is the one that comes to mind first. And, and also, I'm, I'm, if like six, seven years earlier, someone had said, by the way, AJ, you see that guy, WWF World Tag Team Champion, you're going to be, <laughs> be pinning him soon, so don't worry about it. Hey, I would have been like, fuck, no way. Get out of <laughs> yeah. here. Like, and Billy Gunn is massive as well. I have met Billy huge Gunn. Huge human being. You're like, what the fuck? I did not know how big that dude was. Right. And it's because, you know, WWF at the time had like Kane and Taker and Big Show, and just all these monstrous human beings billy gunn looks like normal size next to them no he is a massive human Honestly. and like still killing it in aew by the way I know. he looks phenomenal and i think he's in his 50s he is he is he was one of those dudes that i met at a time when i was going right i'm gonna wrestle i'm gonna wrestle and i left going i don't want to wrestle anymore <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> i'm tiny i'm this tiny yeah. tiny man he's honestly he's one of those dudes where it's like he's in his 50s and you're like fuck you for being that jacked in I your know. 50s I, like i don't genetic, know man. it's amazing it's amazing it's ridiculous well, that's great i didn't know you had that match well if i did i'd forgotten so that is awesome that is brilliant yeah i love thanks it. man oh, what's your favorite match that I've ever had. Yeah. I mean, I've, I mean, no, I'm very, actually, do you know what? The favorite match I probably ever had in terms of walking away and thinking there was something in that was a promotion called, oh, it's just so many random three letters ones in the UK right. that I forget the ones. Just throw a W in there and chances <laughs> are you'll get it. <laughs> like WPW or something. <laughs> yeah. It was against a guy called Dan Maguire as well. And he, he was like, the good thing was he was really experienced. I was not very experienced, but he didn't give a crap. He was like, no, we're going to do this right. You're bigger than me. Therefore, this is the story that we're going to tell. And it wasn't in a very big place. It's probably sort of 100 to 150 people. But it was the reason it was so good is because it was the first time that because uh, obviously I was lucky to train with Al Snow. It's the first time that his words came back to resonate with me because when all of it was done, I hadn't made any mistakes. We told the story. I was completely in the moment. We left with the fans louder than they were when we walked in. And I nice. went backstage and I realized that's what Al Snow talked about. He goes, that's the thing. He goes, when it all goes right, you don't know why it went right, but it just went right. And I was like, that was it. That was the match. Right. I don't think I've had many of those. Because again, most of the time I'm like, oh no, what's spot number 42? It's like, no. Right. You better throw that clothesline, kid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I remember that when I remember going backstage. Oddly, it was a show that had um, Cody Hall on it too. There's a okay. there. Scott Hall's kid. And obviously, yeah. he had quite a bad rep. And I'm sure, I, I don't know whether it's uh, granted or not, but he was very, very nice to me. Like He went out of his way to be a real good dude to me. So I was like, well, I can only judge you on how you're, how you're treating me. And he gave me advice right. and it was all good advice. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> interesting. But yeah, that was, yeah. And I think when I was backstage as well, that's when I, because quite early on, that's when I went, yeah, I want to keep doing this. Like that was, yeah. I remember driving home just feeling like, man i could take over the world <laughs> like it was great right right uh, and hopefully i guess I'll now now that i think about it as far as like um an in-ring match where like i i left feeling like man that was a lot of fun um kind of over the last you know five years or so i've been ticking off matches from my in-ring bucket list where i'm just like before i make peace with the idea of never wrestling again i want to wrestle this person this person this person this person and one of those people is uh, one of my all-time best friends, both in and out of wrestling, by the name of Anton Voorhees. And he, Hood Slammers will, or Hood Slam fans will recognize uh, the name Anton Voorhees. And the match is on my YouTube, by the way. If you just look for AJ Kirsch, which is K-I-R-S-C-H, and Anton Voorhees, which is V-O-O-R-H-E-E-S, we put together this match that was equal parts silly, and emotional and physical and it was like both of us like made basically it was like a love letter to wrestling from the both of us 
Um, and I don't want to spoil too much of it, but like there was singing and posing and like stealing each other's moves and just so much fun. Um, and if you feel like checking it out, like uh, it's on, uh, it is on my YouTube. So the link that comes up and it has a uh, commentary with the two of us talking about the match, oh, like perfect, shoot man. commentary, not just like, okay, you know, beautiful drop kick by Anton Voorhees. It's us talking to each other as human beings about the match. So that one, and again, it's just like, it's everything that both of us think wrestling can be, which is equal parts silly and dramatic and physical and storytelling. And I, I think that wins as, as far as like bell to bell, the most fun match I've ever had. I, I, I have to point out as well, cause you've said that. And I was like, oh, I have to mention this too. The first, when I entered in that, the first match I ever had was a Royal Rumble. Of course it was. And um, the the reaction that I got from some very, very nice people will always be the number one thing because I was backstage feeling like I was about to have like an aneurysm. I was so nervous. Yep. I was so <laughs> nervous. And then I walked out and I got a reaction, which I wasn't, again, you're like, I, I don't know. Even though we, you know, we tied it into the what culture stuff. I was like, yeah, but they may think I'm a prick. I don't know. I have sure, sure. People. And they were so nice to me. And within literally three seconds, you, you would have gone through it too. The nerves are gone. And I, yep. it was like a drug. I know I sound like Austin and everything, but it was like a drug. I was like, it's the greatest you, thing that's ever happened. You don't know unless you feel it. And like, yeah. it's, it's really hard. It, and by the way, if anybody's listening to this, and you've ever wanted to feel it, just, you have to, you have to try. That's why I tell to everyone, train, anyone you have to go it, after just it. Do it. Yeah, just do it. Yeah. You, trust me. You, you'll know if you don't like it pretty quick. And right, you, right. right. It's you, not for me. You'll, you'll figure it out. But also like, especially during quarantine and, and COVID, like when people are supposed to stay home, if you have the time to just like work out and, and do a million squats and mountain climbers and like get in the kind of shape so that when this is over, you can start training. Like in that respect, this time is kind of a gift. Like you get a chance to decide who and what you want to be Hell when yeah. the world opens up again. Hell yeah, dude. Spot on. That's too poetic not to finish on that note. I Perfect. I love I it. Let's, let's go home. <laughs> dude, thank you so much for joining me and for giving me so much time as well, man. I massively appreciate it. Oh, dude, my pleasure. I enjoyed every second of it. And let's do it again sooner rather well, than later. We should definitely do it sooner rather than later. And look, if Lawrence and Lee are doing the Ministry of Slam stuff, then we both got to get on there at some point as well. So we've got to get all our ducks in a row and somehow get that reunion going properly. I'd love to make that happen. We should we should do that for sure. Awesome. Done and dusted. So look, everyone go follow AJ Kirsch on social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Patreon, all the things that you mentioned. Uh, trust me, if nothing else, you will be inspired by the the many things that he's done. And we haven't, he barely even scraped the surface. There's so many other stuff that we could talk about. Just Google <laughs> Tune it. Tune in next time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Google his name and, and you'll be impressed. But otherwise, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the show. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe. If you do have a bunch of money and you want to contribute to my Patreon, you can do that too. Patreon.com. For us, Simon316, YouTube, Simon Miller. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is Simon316. Always regret putting the 316 on there. Didn't know what the future Never change it. Do not change it. It's too late now, but I would, right. I, I, would, I would not do it. I would not do it today, but hey, I'm a wrestling nerd. Otherwise, take care of yourselves, and I'll talk to you in a couple of days.